0: So when, when the church started, when, when the disciples gathered, there was 12 disciples, 12 friends of Jesus. And it must have been easy for them because all they had to do is do what Jesus did. And they would follow him around and they would copy him and they'd learn from him and they would grow and he'd push them. But at one point, it says that Jesus died. And then he rose again. Then he went back to heaven and he left the church in these 12 young men's hands. And it would have been easy to start with if there was 12, possibly about 120, the reckon, at the very start. But then Peter, in the day of Pentecost, stood up and preached. And suddenly that little group became a group of 5,000. Can you imagine it? 5,000 new believers. And it started to grow and grow each week. More and more people becoming Christians. And you think, wow, it must have been so exciting in them days. Peter's panicking. But um, it, says, it says in, in, in Acts that the, all the believers had everything in common. And when there was a need, they would sell either their possessions or some land, and they would put it in a pot to make sure that everyone was looked after. But as the weeks turned into mums, one or two things started to happen. It says there was a, an, a, a, a grumbling in the group that the, that the um, Israeli or, or the local widows We're getting treated better than those who come in from other countries. Now, the disciples are thinking, we don't want to be dealing with this, all this grumbliness. So they they had to think, and they came up with a genius idea. What they would do is they would gather some other people to deal with the grumbliness, I think that's a brilliant idea. We should have more and more groups within the church. And so what they did is they gathered seven people and they made sure these seven were godly people. People filled with the the Holy Spirit and wise. And they said, can you look after the widows? Because there's a little bit of tension. And that's what they did. So these seven became basically waiters for the widows. And they would make sure everything was dealt with fairly. One of the seven was a man called Philip. And he was, he was learning, even though he was a man who, who, who had, I mean, full of um, the Holy Spirit, he was humble enough to know that God is a God who works in the small. I don't know, maybe you feel today that you don't do much for church. Maybe you feel you don't do much for God. But remember what Jesus said, you only need faith as small as a mustard seed, and it will grow. God calls us all to do the small. I don't know what he's asked you to do, but he does call us all. <laughs> when I went to Bible College, I volunteered in crash, having never been in crash. It lasted 12 minutes. (laughs) Honestly, they were everywhere. I was like, who has the patience for this? Who has the skill set for this? I remember going in and coming out thinking, I can't do that. I'll do any. I'll clean the toilets. I'll scrub the floors. I ain't going back in there. But God calls us to do the small. (coughs) Philip was faithful in the small. He did what God asked him to do and then guess what happened one of the other seven someone called Stephen well he caused a little bit of fuss and it said the religious leaders dragged him to the outside of the city and they threw stones at him until he died and the man who was holding the courts when all this was happened was a a man, a young man called Saul and it says after that that Saul went after the church he pursued the church if he caught anyone who was a christian he would drag them off to jail and it says all the christians living in jerusalem except for the apostles scattered all over the world and our guy philip well he scattered he went to a place called samaria and in that place he set up a ministry and God blessed them, and that church grew bigger and bigger and bigger until the apostles back in, in Jerusalem heard about it, and they went off to sea. He was doing an amazing thing. He'd been faithful with the small. Now God had given him something big. Imagine how exciting that was. And this is where we're up to, where we're going to take our reading from today. So if you've got a Bible, we're in Acts chapter 8. So um, let's leave that. I'm just going to read a verse from Luke chapter 16. This is what Jesus said, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with very much. And that is true of Philip. It is true. He was trusted with little and God gave him very much. So if you've got a Bible, 8, 26. Now the angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandake, which means the Queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in a chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The Spirit told Philip, Go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. "'Do you understand what you're reading?' Philip asked. "'How can I?' he said, "'unless someone explains it to me.' So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of the scripture that the eunuch was reading. "'He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, "'and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, "'so he did not open his mouth. "'In his humiliation he was deprived of justice.' Who can speak of his descendants for his life was taken from the earth? The eunuch asked Phyllis, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. And as he traveled along the road, they came to some water, and a eunuch said, Look, here is water. What What can stand in the way of me being baptized? And verse 37, and verse 37, and verse 37 is the shortest verse in our Bible. Now, if you have a, a, a Bible in front of you, it may just say 37 and nothing else. Does it? That's because the scholars uh, don't believe that, that the bit that I'm going to put in, this bit here behind us, was in the Bible originally. So you will just have 37. There is no words. You can go home today and go out and memorize a verse of the Bible. <laughs> Acts chapter 8, verse 37. And it says... The shortest verse in the Bible. This is what the scholars... Um, this is what... If you find underneath, you'll find the verse written. This is what roughly they think it says, but it wasn't in the original. As Philip said, If you believe... With all your heart, you may. Then the eunuch answered, "I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God." He then gave orders to stop the chariot. They both went uh, both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. And when he came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way, rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared in uh, Astos and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached uh, Caesarea. What an incredible story. Philip, with this big ministry, with all these people that he is now ministering to, God says, no, I want you to leave that. I want you to leave that ministry, and I want you to go and find one guy. One guy. Why? I tell you Why? It's because God is interested in the individual. Even a eunuch. Now, eunuchs weren't popular back then. Everyone know what a eunuch is? Do I have to explain? A eunuch is a man who no longer is. Um, it means he's uh, had a small operation that had his bits removed. Okay, Usually because they were serving a queen of things, so they didn't want hanky-panky, so they took away the hanky so there would be no panky. Uh, LAUGHTER that is a eunuch. Now, Israelites did not think this was a good thing. And so, um, and even in the law, there was rules against that. One of the rules, is it up here? One master's to The rule is this, it says, no one who has been emasculated by crushing or cutting may enter the assembly of the Lord. It means there was no... Place for him to go and worship in Jerusalem. He would have been barred from the temple for the fact of him being a eunuch. He may have gone there hoping to get in and discover that he couldn't. You know, the one matters to God. He sent him from a big ministry to find this one guy because he matters to God. And it was always the way of Jesus. Jesus took his disciples, remember, on a, a detour into Samaria where no Jew would normally go to find one woman at a well that he had to speak to. The only woman he ever, the only person he really ever came out with and said, I am the Messiah. Why? Because the one matters to God. He stopped in Jericho, and there's a man in a tree. And he says, I must have. I must have lunch in your house today, Zacchaeus. Why? Because the one matters to God. On leaving that town, there's a a blind beggar screaming out his name. And he brings it up and says, Bartimaeus, what can I do for you? Why? Because the one matters. A woman comes into the room, a woman that everyone knows shouldn't be anywhere near someone like Jesus, comes into the room and with her tears, she weeps on his feet. She takes a perfume jar and breaks it over his feet and then dries it with her hair. Why did he not send her away? Because the one matters to God. If you here thinking, as a, I mean, as a group, that's what God is like. It's not. When it comes to God, he's interested in every one of us in detail. You matter to God. That's why Michael can stand up and say, I'm following him. Because he matters to God. You might be here going, Well, I'm not religious enough. Nor was the eunuch. He failed to hit the bar, but in God, there was always room. There is room for you in the kingdom of God. He's interested in you. If you ever feel, No, I'm just one in the crowd, it's not true. When it comes to God, He loves you. He came for you. I was once asked, If there was only one person in the world who ever sinned, do you think God would have sent His Son? And we all sat trying to debate this question. And yes, I truly believe if there was just one person in the world who messed up, God would have still sent his son. Why? Because the one matters to God. You matter to God. I love the fact that the Holy Spirit says, Go be near the chariot. It didn't say say anything. You just took him to that point. Go near. Just be near the chariot. And imagine it's moving. And chariots, I imagine, go at the same pace as a horse. So I imagine Philip is quite fit, jogging along after this chariot, trying to hear what he says. And then starts up a conversation. He was brave enough to speak out. And Michael, this week, you're going to have to be brave enough to speak out. When I became a Christian, I went to school. I didn't often go to school. I used to deliver milk in the mornings. I was always too tired to go to school. But suddenly I felt, well, as a Christian, I ought to do what's good and right. So I went to school. My form teacher said, Who are you? (laughs) It was lunchtime. And I was in what we call the sixth form. We didn't have a sixth form. We were as close as you can get to it. And we were all in there playing pool messing about. When someone asked me, are you doing this on Sunday? I went, no, I can't do that Sunday. I'm in church. And the room went quiet. And this one guy stood up and went, you go to church? I went, yeah. Do you not go to church? And he went, well, well. I said, then you can come with me on Sunday. Sometimes we need to speak out. Why do you think God's given that job he's given to you? So you can be that person that God's called you to be in the workplace. Why do you think you live where you live? Because God's put you there so that you can, you can be that witness to your, to your neighbors. Why do you think he's given you that bunch of weird friends that you've got? So that you can be the person that God wants you to be in that group. God calls us to go be near. But are we brave enough to speak out and say, yeah, I belong to him. I live my life for God. And you can as well. Be light, shine bright, and be the person that God has called you to be. But it all comes to this. It's all about obedience. Philip. Was obedient in the small as well as the large. He went where God sent him. Michael's been obedient. Jesus says, believe and be baptized. And Michael's here saying, yes, I will. I'll be the man that you called me to be. But what about you? Will you be obedient? Will you go where he sends you? Will you be the person he's called you to be in your street, in your family, with your friends, in the workplace? will you be obedient? Will you be the person who's obedient and say, yes, I do believe and I will be baptized? Maybe God is speaking to you and you know what he wants you to do. But the question is, will you be obedient? Let me pray. I thank you, Father, that you love us. Not as a group, but as an individual. I thank you that you know us inside and out. And I thank you that you have a plan for every one of us. And Father, I pray and thank you for the places that you've put us. But make us brave enough to speak out. Make us brave enough to make a difference. Help us love and not grumble. Help us to shine. And Father, I pray for those here this morning that that you use them. May they be obedient to you. I pray for those who've never been baptized, that you help them to be obedient to you, to stand up and tell the world that, that they belong to you. So bless us, Father. Speak to us. Use us for your kingdom. In your name. Amen.